From the studios of WHUP LP in Hillsboro, North Carolina, this is Dirty White Belt Radio. Innovative, often duplicated When enough people get on the trend I elevate it, make it way harder For them to follow what I take It hard to swallow like a lozenger Lodged in your trachea Goodness gracious, bruh, I can never make this up So just take your stuff Rake it up and take the bus Never fake the funk, you painted skunks You played enough, I'm lifting bars to outer space So the weight is up Fight, fight Welcome to the show, everybody. It's another episode of Dirty White Belt Radio. Today on the show, very excited to talk to Samantha Seff again. Sammy is a recurring guest who is uh, fighting in a title fight, the main event, October 14th. We'll tell you how to get tickets. We'll tell you who she's fighting. We'll break down the card, talk about her return from injury, her teammates, her training partners, and much, much more as soon as we get past the news segment. But first, I got to let you know how to get a hold of the show. If we miss anything, you can always email the show at cagesidewhup at gmail.com. You can get at us on Twitter and Instagram. Our Twitter is DWB Radio, and our Instagram is Dirty White Belt. We're also active on Facebook. Our Facebook page is facebook.com slash Radio. So if we do miss anything, do let us know. First, I want to let you know about upcoming events. Uh, IBJJF Charlotte is this coming weekend, October 7th. The deadline is passed, but hopefully you got into that. The weekend after that, and we'll talk about this a little bit uh, during the featured interview as well, is Toro Cup. That's October 15th at Triangle Jiu-Jitsu in Durham, North Carolina, 124 Lauder Road. A couple of important details. This is going to be the best Toro Cup yet. I think there are eight black belt matches, including Greg Walker versus Dave Porter, two popular guests, and we're going to have Greg back in the studio this time to give a full hour-long interview with him. Tons of tremendous matches. The thing that you have to, 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 to consider this time, there is no live stream. I've talked to Boomer, and uh, he's decided no live streaming. We're going to be able to post the matches about 24 hours after, but get out here and support the card. It's, uh, you know, it's a charity event, and there's going to be some amazing matches. So just know that you, unlike previous Toro Cups, you're not going to be able to stay home and watch it on the Internet. So please, please get out and support that. That's October 14th. I have it on good authority there is something else happening October 14th as well that we're going to talk, talk about in just a second. The weekend after that is U.S. Grappling Northern Virginia. U.S. Grappling, uh, our favorite tournament organization for so many different reasons, returns to Northern Virginia October 21st. It's always a tremendous tournament. So many great academies up there uh, in the D.C. metro area. I'm going to be going up there probably to compete, and uh, so hopefully I'll see a lot of the friends there. If you're not able to make it, the great Hoyler Gracie is giving a seminar October 24th in Waynesville, North Carolina at Gracie, North Carolina. So if you're for some reason not able to make it up to Northern Virginia, but you're closer to Waynesville, definitely take the chance, the opportunity to train with one of the best ever. So yesterday was the Nogi Pans in New York City, and this is one of the biggest Nogi tournaments of the year. A bunch of folks from the area always compete, and everybody represented extremely strongly. I want to give some serious shout-outs to everyone who competed. Specifically, there are some results that we want to highlight Junio Casio, friend of the show and a guy we sponsor, one of the hardest working guys in jiu-jitsu and certainly one of the dudes who flies below radar just because he trains all the time and grinds all the time, won gold at adult purple belt. And uh, what an achievement. Congratulations to Junie. Just a tremendous uh, event. And to see somebody uh, work so hard to get that result, it's really gratifying. There were some other gold medalists that we want to particularly shout out. Another guy that I could describe like Junie, a guy who is maybe one of the one of the best training partners that I have had and one of my training partners at Triangle Jiu-Jitsu is Eric Habel. Eric won gold at Master One Blue Belt. And if you want to talk about, like, Eric is maybe the model for the best training partner. He's uh, technical, skilled, trains hard, is humble, never complains, and helps everybody. And to see him uh, get a gold medal, especially in front of his son Kyler, was really excellent. Nobody deserves it more. Uh, Amber Habel, who tre- trekked up there, took bronze at adult blue belt. And so I know that that was a special moment for them to be able to compete alongside each other. So congratulations to the Hables. Just really, really tremendous results. Somebody that you should get used to seeing on the top of the podium is Gavin Corbet. Gavin won gold at adult blue belt. Now, those are tough divisions to win. They're deep divisions with really skilled people that um, just uh, just are really hard to get through. And Gavin is just at the cusp of uh, his jiu-jitsu career beginning, but I think we should all get used to seeing him on top of the podium. His brother DeAndre Corbet, another beast, finished up a tremendous first year at brown belt with a bronze at the adult male brown belt. DeAndre has had an incredible, incredible competition year of jiu-jitsu, so congratulations to both Corbet brothers. 
a new black belt who is now a silver medalist, Daniel Sandlin, former show guest, got silver at the Master One black belt. He had a bye first round. I think his opponent didn't show up. Won two matches and then lost to a beast in finals, uh, 2-0. And so to, to do that well... Um, so soon after getting a black belt really is testament to the instruction that Daniel has had and how, how skilled he is and how hard he trains. Uh, the last person that we want to shout out, a couple more people actually. Um, so John Bagels Helford, who's been on the show a couple times and I know wants to come back on to talk about Toro Cup. He's the matchmaker for Toro Cup now. Uh, uh, entered the Master One Brown Belt event and uh, ended up getting gold. Now John is a, a really uh, regular and skilled competitor, so I know that he's excited for that. The last guy that we want to shout out, and I know my guest Sammy Seff is really is is the biggest fan of this competitor, uh, John Shell, double silver at uh, Masters Brown Belt. John is one of the top ranked Masters Brown Belts in the world, and he really showed why he got a uh, silver in both his weight class and absolute. He ended up losing on points in the final against a really tough beast wrestler, and I watched that match. And I really thought John was going to finish the calf crusher that he had on the guy. Uh, John's technique was on point. Uh, if you've ever watched John compete, you know that he attacks and attacks and attacks. And so watching him get after it was inspiring. And we really want to get John back in back in the studio sometime uh, to talk about his competition career, about Team Hubao Karaoke, about his recent experiences in the MMA cage as well. And I'm sure Sammy would support getting John back back in the studio. We wanted to have them on together, but unfortunately, uh, John was uh, John's on the road back from New York. Uh, hardest working man in show business so congrats to john for getting uh double silver this weekend at the pans if we missed anybody feel free to let us know in the comments uh, we're always looking to follow more local competitors and with the more local competitors that we have the more talented they are the more medals come home the harder it is to keep track so please let us know who we should be following and congratulations to all of our friends who competed at the pans this year just a couple more news items that I want to get you on, get on your calendars. On October 28th, we're going to be covering this, the Pro Jitsu Dark Horse Blue Belt Invitational. These are always really fun events, and as I know a lot of the competitors uh, that are competing this time, it's going to be pretty exciting. This is the first time they've held it at Segoy Submissions in New Bern, and so I'm anxious to get out there, check out that school. October 28th, these are always fun events. I believe there will be a live stream for that, but if you're in the area, definitely come out and support that as well. On that same day, if you don't feel like making the trip to New Bern, Martha Katz, who is a tremendous yoga practitioner that also trains Gracie Jiu-Jitsu at Gracie Raleigh and at Gracie Goldsboro with Jay Quitfield, is doing a Yoga for Jiu-Jitsu seminar at Gracie Raleigh. That's on October 28th. Now, uh, you've, you've listened to our Yoga for Jiu-Jitsu show, and if you haven't, I really encourage you to check that out in the archive. You know that Martha is a thoughtful, introspective, and serious high-level black belt in, in yoga. <laughs> so get out there and train with Martha. Um, if I weren't doing the Pro Jitsu Dark Horse Invitational, I would definitely be down to do that. Finally, a couple of shameless commerce items. Uh, the new Toro Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu Gi is out as of yesterday. And yes, that's the Gi I designed. I'm really excited about this, you guys. I am. This is my favorite Gi that I've ever made. And uh, it has a ton of cool, uh, it looks great, it's soft, and it. Uh, you know, I got to wear it for the first time yesterday. And it has a cool, bunch of cool symbolism from uh, Okinawa, where I used to live. So if you want to learn about what the gi is all about, you can go to our blog at dirtywetbelt.com slash blog. You can also just go to torobjj.com and get yours online. If you're going to be in the Cage Side MMA Pro Shop at 124 Lotta Road, you can also pick it up in person. But seriously, check it out. Posted some pictures on the, on the Facebook yesterday. Very excited about this gi. Really excited to break it in and train with it. So before we get to our featured interview, I just want to tell you a few upcoming things. We, we talked a lot about upcoming jiu-jitsu events, but there are also a couple of upcoming fight events that I want to tell you about, some MMA. My teammate from Triangle Jiu-Jitsu Academy, Tung Vu, is making his debut as an amateur in Danville, Virginia on October 14th on the Danville Destruction Card up there. Tung is fighting Cody from Forge Fitness Carry. That's going to be a terrific fight, a tough fight for both guys, and you know, so a really tough debut fight. So I'm excited to see that. Uh, I'll probably be heading up for that after Toro Cup. But if I don't go to that, there's another fight event. And there are several local people on the card, including Mike Lines from TFTC Academy. And also Neil Ritchie and Elizabeth Schroeder from Elevate MMA will be fighting on that same card. And Neil and Elizabeth are both going to be fighting for amateur MMA titles. So a lot of belts are on the line. And speaking of belts being on the line... Uh, one of them is on the line for, that my guest, the one and only Sammy Seff, is fighting for. In the main event, Sammy will be fighting for an MMA title on October 14th. And on the other side of this musical break, we're going to talk to Samantha Seff all about that. 
U.S. Grappling is our favorite tournament organization for a lot of reasons. Run by grapplers for grapplers, U.S. Grappling consistently provides the best tournament experience for competitors. Whether it's a points tournament or submission only, and U.S. Grappling runs true no-time-limit submission-only events, it's the best place to compete and to watch your friends compete. Check out upcoming events and register online at usgrappling.com. Samantha Seth, welcome back to the studio. Thanks for having me again, Jeff. You must be really excited to get back in the cage. I can't even, I don't even have words. Um, it's probably the first time in my life I'm actually speechless because I'm so excited. Like, I can't even begin to put into words. Uh, it's been so long since I've competed or fought, and uh, I've been going to like, competitions like every single weekend, and I've just been itching to get out there, and I feel great right now. Like, nothing hurts. I'm just, I can go into the cage tomorrow. How long has it been since you fought? Um, about a year. And so you've uh, suffered with some injuries, and we'll talk about uh, those and your struggle through those and what that means to you. But first, I want to talk to you about specifically the fight and how your preparation has been. So I know you've been training really hard. Um, what's your training schedule like going into this fight? So usually about twice a week, I wake up at 6 a.m. and I go train with a cricket. Um, he's a personal trainer, and he puts me through the ringer, gets my cardio up, gets my cardio ready. Um, three times a week, I train at the TFTC Clayton location with Neil and uh, he puts me and Mikey through very intense workout involving you know wall work jujitsu ground stuff takedown sparring it's a little bit of everything he's very knowledgeable and has his training all through that he also brought back uh, 40s which I haven't seen in a while which is our like old English 800 40s and then oh yeah Edward 40 hands no I wish um it's more 40 sprawls 40 push-ups 40 squats 40 sprawls with a one-two combination in between and 40 sit-ups we have to do that in under five minutes the bell rings we get to do it again fun time to be had um I get to train over at John Shell's gym uh Shell Shock BJJ um you know a little bit of favoritism there so I get a little private lessons with a very advanced brown belt so I get to work a lot with him. I've also been working a lot with Trevor Hayes over at Forged, uh, doing some privates with him. Um, I like to train a little bit with everybody and everywhere because there's always knowledge to be learned from, you know, white belt to black belt. It's to me, I can learn a little bit of something from everybody. And uh, I was lucky enough to even train over at Elevate, at Elevate with uh, Schroeder, who will be on the card, and with Hannah Cyphers, who's pro. Um, so I was able to pick her brain a little bit about stuff over there so I feel very lucky to be able to work with so many different people I'm trying to get some time in with Mary Holmes as well hopefully about next week hit up their open mat and pick her brain too we'll get into your opponent and how folks can get tickets in just a second but I want to drill down on getting to train with Schroeder and getting to train with Hannah both of whom are very powerful women and uh, is, is it the kind of thing, like, when you train, do you seek out w women training partners and try and get as roughly the, the size to approximate your opponent, or is that not something you think about a lot? No, it's a 100% stuff I do think about. Um, they're both super strong and super skilled and super talented, and it's very different. Even, you know, guys who maybe aren't as big, they're still going to be stronger. That's just how it is. You know, I'm all about equal rights, but I'm looking at it, you know, biology, it's different getting hit by a guy versus getting hit by a girl. And, uh, you know, especially someone like Hannah's super strong and super tough, and she's definitely has a lot of experience. Um, there and are definitely a lot of dudes I would rather be hit by than be hit by Hannah. Yeah, that is probably definitely <laughs> true. Um, and, you know, I just feel very lucky that we have such a tight knit community. There's no, you know, hostility. Like, I love all the women I get to train with, I think they're awesome. And to me, there's never a like, oh, she did this to me, so I don't like her. It's a, oh, wow, can you show me how you did that type of thing? Yeah, that's terrific, especially as you mentioned, you're training at a ton of different academies, and it's so it's great that you know people have sort of come together to help you train for this, this return. So let's talk about the fight specifically. So this is a title fight, and this is a main event fight. Which of those, does one of those two things mean more to you than the other, and what does each mean to you, the fact that it's a title fight and it's a main event? You know, to me, I don't want to put so much pressure on myself where I'm, that's all I'm focused on. Um, I'm definitely excited that it is a main event. I know I was speaking with some people who actually said they don't enjoy being so late in the card that they'd rather go earlier because it builds up pressure, but I don't feel that. Um, 
I'm just very, you know, I'm sure I get a little nervous, which is normal, but nothing crazy to me. It kind of builds up the anticipation and I'm even more excited. Uh, so I actually enjoy that I'm going to be the last person on the card. As for the title fight, you know, it, this is, man, I tell people all the time that growing up, my friends were dreaming about weddings and who they would marry. And I was dreaming about beating someone up and getting a belt. Like I've wanted a title fight belt for as long as I can remember. <laughs> Well, I, you know, I, I got married this month, and you, you, hopefully you get a belt this month. So maybe we both get what we want. Yeah. <laughs> I will say you did choose well there. So, you know, hopefully <laughs> I come home with – the prize won't be as good as yours, but I'm hoping that, you know, it, it holds a little near and dear to my heart as well. Aw, shucks. So, <laughs> so what do you know about your opponent? Um, so I'm, I'm one of those people where I meticulously study my opponents. Mm-hmm. Um, I was a, a super nerd in school at FSU and, you know, all throughout my... It doesn't my, seem like you. Yeah, I, yeah, right? Me, a nerd. Um, as I rock my Harry Potter socks during this interview, um, I'm still a huge nerd and I'm still, I'm always getting on the kids about studying because I just, I loved, I loved school and I take the same approach with my fighting and my training. Um, you know, I don't focus on too much of what they do, but kind of how they do it. Um, and this way I'm a little prepared for what they do. And then if they don't, actually do that because my last fight uh, she had started all her fights the exact same way so I had practiced that but then for my fight she did not but it didn't throw me off my game because again I work with so many different people I get so so much good advice from everybody that I train with and that I work with that I just constantly revert back to my game plan but to me it's very good to I had a a really good friend uh, break down some of her fights for me as well and I just find that really helpful uh, to kind of get inside the brain of my opponent so that I'm not only physically prepared I'm mentally prepared as well. How would you describe your opponent's game? What are you expecting her to do? Uh, Stuff I'm expecting her to do she's you know very game stand-up opponent I know that she likes to throw her straight right a lot. Um, I'm hoping that I don't focus too much on, you know, one aspect of MMA, not just stand-up, not just ground, not just takedowns. I like to train uh, very well versed in all three of those things so that no matter what my opponent does, I'm prepared. And I do not like to play to their game. I'm always going to go back to my game and what my coaches have showed me. Mm-hmm. So you mentioned it's been a long road for you. I know you've suffered some injuries and you haven't been in the cage in about a year. So talk to me about, like, what advice would you have for someone that may be struggling with an injury right now that's keeping them off the mats, keeping them out of the cage, keeping them from where they want to be training? Like, what techniques did you use in order to not go crazy, to, to, make your, to, to bide your time, and to be prepared for this moment that, that's coming October 14th? You know, it is very depressing to suffer such a debilitating injury. I had a lot of people tell me that I probably wouldn't be able to fight again. I had an excellent doctor at Wake Ortho and excellent physical therapist. And to me, that's one of the biggest things you can do is listen to your doctors and do your physical therapy. You have to do it. You're, you might think you're better. You're not. <laughs> like, you have to continuously do it. Um, this happened the last week of January, and I had surgery the first week of February. Um, it was just a freak accident wrestling with a James Quigg, and I tore my ACL, my MCL, my meniscus. I dislocated my kneecap, and I fractured off a piece of my patella that was just kind of, like, floating around in my knee. Um you get and the my, full poo-poo yeah, platter of knee destruction. I did. My knee was um, pointed in a very strange direction. Uh, but I was, you know, I had great people that were there that helped me kind of get to the car to get to the hospital. And after, you know, an hour, um, I wasn't even thinking about the pain anymore. I was just like, can I fight again? Can I compete in jujitsu tournaments again? This is 100% my life. Um, but I was lucky. I had a lot of friends who came to visit Donna set up a good meal train for me so I had plenty of friends that came to visit which I will say helped a lot and keeps the depression at bay um Cody Maltese actually helped me a lot he sent me a really good article on Dominic Cruz who had suffered three ACL injuries um because you know he was rushing to get back and didn't go with the hamstring graft at first which is a longer recovery time so that's you know not ideal but it does make it stronger in the long run, especially if you're doing contact sports. And uh, I will say, you know, taking care of yourself mentally, like reading articles like that and listening to self-help stuff, it really helps keep the depression away. But even with that, without my friends and, you know, the support of John as well, like I could have been in a really bad place. And I'm lucky that, you know, my coaches still believed in me and didn't tell me that this was going to be the end. They knew that I was going to come back. 
did you go with the hamstring graft or what exactly did they do to fix you up? Are you bionic now? Or are you? I did and I am. I actually do have a little bit of metal in my knee um, and I it's really good for me because it's right where you check a kick and I have no feeling there either. Um, so one of my training partners at my gym, Sasha, kicked it the other day and was like, ooh, ooh, that hurts. And I was like, I'm so sorry. That's where my metal is. Like, I have no feeling there. So I'm sure if I did, I would feel the pain as well. She was like, yeah, you can definitely feel it. Um, I went with the hamstring graft. It was a recommendation of my doctor. He told me if I was just somebody who was going to sit on the couch and, you know, go about my daily work life that I could have gone with the patellar graft, which is a much faster recovery time. Uh, My physical therapist actually tore his ACL and went with that one. And he was up and walking in almost no time. And I was a little bit jealous because I was like, man, I had to spend so much time. I was in so much pain because the nerve blocker did not take on me. Um, so the first 24 to 48 hours was excruciating. It hurt worse than the initial injury. Um, but I'm so glad that I went with that option because my knee feels so strong now. And I feel like, wow, you know, my doctor, it turns out doctors know what they're talking about. You know, who would have thunk it? So, uh you know, you're not you're not old enough to remember Iron Mike Sharp from professional wrestling, but he had this gimmick where he had this like sleeve on his forearm, and it was like a loaded sleeve that he'd had metal putting in his arm just so you could when he did the forearm smash, it would knock people unconscious. So that's what I think of when I think of your leg now, and hopefully, like, d- does it make a so 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 it hurts people when when you check their kicks or. Um. And then I'm hoping that, you know, it's it's strong enough that they can feel that reverberation after kicking it. <laughs> yeah, there you go. So you have a new tattoo. I do. And it's relevant to the injury discussion. And I would like for you to tell us where the idea came from and tell us about the tattoo. So the tattoo was something I had to discuss for a little while with uh, John, my boyfriend. And uh, we were in Vegas for the Masters Tournament which I could not compete in because I'm not ancient like he is. So I had to throw that in there. Um, So I had plenty of time to go ahead and get this tattoo. And what I wanted to do was I was thinking about words that really describe this journey that I went through. And I really liked the word resilient, but I wanted to do something that also incorporated jujitsu because jujitsu has been so important and so integral in my life. And, you know, you just got your brown belt. You know what a feeling that was. I always say every time I received a new belt, was the greatest day of my life and it it has been there's nothing that even comes close to describing it especially when you get it from people you respect you know I've got mine from Jeff Baum, Neil Weaver, Brad Acosta it it means a lot to me and uh to have people my teammates my brother my boyfriend there to see it um but I was like how can I incorporate jujitsu into this resilient tattoo so what I did was um I worked with the artist out in Vegas and we wanted to do kind of a fade away into the belt colors. Um, so the R is white because I received my white belt, you know, when I first started jujitsu, which is definitely the hardest step for anybody starting out. It's hard to step into a gym and, you know, kind of get beat up on every day because everybody knows so much more than you. Um, and then the next letter is just solid black. And then the one after that fades into blue, the S, um, when I received my blue belt. And then the next letter, solid black. And then the L is the purple. Um, because I am a purple belt and then I left you know the last two belt colors are blank right now and that's something that it gives me a goal it gives me something to work for and I know that there's a lot of people in our community with awesome jujitsu tattoos that I've seen I've seen you know Austin has a really awesome one Kim Rice I love hers and you know she was there too uh, so I got to show her like after I got it and uh, everybody just thought the idea was really cool and to me the whole resilient thing, it just, it means a lot. This was my fifth knee surgery. Um, and a lot of people could have just given up after that, but man, am I stubborn, <laughs> like to a fault almost. And, you know, this was my dream. It's hard work. It's super hard, but I've dreamt of this since I was an early teenager. I wasn't going to let anything stop me, even a busted leg. Mm-hmm. Was the first knee surgery harder or was the last knee surgery harder? Um, definitely the last one. The first, the first couple I got, I was still in high school. I had played soccer my whole life. Um, and you know, Brad Acosta played soccer and messed up his knees from it too. And girls tend to be more prone to knee injuries as well, just because of the biological nature of how we're built. Um, and you know, those hurt and they were just like scopes and minor repairs. And then, you know, I had a lateral meniscectomy as well, but this was by far, Uh, the most debilitating injury I had and it was the hardest for me because I had already started fighting 
So I was getting ready to almost start another fight camp. And then I was like, wow, I've come so far. And then I just felt it get snatched away from me. And that was heartbreaking. Like my heart was broken. That hurt worse than, you know, getting broken up with or failing a test. Like to me, that that broke my heart. I want to talk to you guys about Cageside Fight Company for a second. I've been buying from Cageside for more than six years and about 99% of the gear that I use is from Cageside. That's not because other companies don't make good stuff, they do, it's just that Cageside offers the highest quality products at the best value and, no joke, the best customer service I've ever experienced in my life. So whether you're looking for shin pads, whether you're looking for Thai gear, whether you're looking for Brazilian Jiu Jitsu gis or Valetudo shorts, whether you're looking for the coolest t-shirts around, check out Cageside.com or come into their fight shop at one. Lotter Road, right in Durham, North Carolina. You won't be sorry. Another thing I want to mention about Cageside is they do more to support local fighters and local Brazilian jiu-jitsu competitors than just about anybody else. And so we've got to support the people that support us. Check out Cageside Fight Company, 124 Lotter Road in Durham, North Carolina, or online at cageside.com. My guest is Samantha Seff. She fights for the title on October 14th. And how can folks get tickets? So I have tickets on hand. And uh, as a nice surprise, I was actually on the tickets, like throwing an elbow. That was really cool to me because I was like, oh wow, like this is serious, this is for real. Um, the tickets are $35 a piece and the fight's out in Lynchburg. I know that if you can't see me personally, there's also ways to get it online. And I'm sure Jeff will post the link up on his page. Um, but I would love to, you know, hand you the ticket yourself so you have a physical copy and, you know, a picture of me in case you forgot what I look like. It's not that great, but you know. <laughs> Some people enjoy my face. <laughs> Sammy trains at every gym in the area, and so if you want to see her when she's training, you can definitely get those physical tickets. And if you're unable to run into her before the fight, we will post a link where you can get tickets online at our Facebook page, which is Cageside Radio, and on our blog, which is dirtywhiteball.com slash blog, so you'll be able to get tickets. And it's kind of cool to have a keepsake after this fight where you are on the ticket. That's That's pretty boss. Yeah, I'm really excited about that. You know, Robert Asbury, the promoter, also made some posters. Um, I had a, there was a photographer at John's Gym, Alfred Graham, who took really awesome photos of me. And uh, the best part about that photo shoot was we took a couple joking photos after, and I'm sure you've seen it, where I'm just like choking John and he's, you know, making a hideous face, unless that's his normal face, I don't know. Um, <laughs> where, <laughs> you know, it's just a little over-exaggerated and we were doing like heel hooks and like Baron Bolos and just the most ridiculous stuff that you don't really see in MMA fights, but it was just a fun photo shoot. Yeah, and, and you're on the poster as well. And, and so I'm wondering, do you keep, you know, for me, it's kind of cool to have mementos from events I've competed in, you know, events that we've put on, things like that, have a poster, have this, have this ticket. Do you keep things like that from each fight? Uh, yeah, I'm, I don't want to say I'm a hoarder per se, um, but I do keep, you know, memorabilia and memories from important events. And um, I actually even have notes from middle school that I used to write to my friends. It's just fun to look back on. And um, the posters right now, I have hung up the posters at, you know, the TFTC, the location in Clayton, the one in Cary. I have one at John's Gym in Fuquay. And then I also hung one up at my work. Um, and I have to say my job, uh, I actually work pretty close to here in Durham at Nutanix. Um, and we deal in like data software and they are so supportive. The president of the company, um, Sadish, actually spoke to me personally saying he saw my fights and he thought it was awesome. And, you know, it's, this guy's pretty big. So I was I was like blown away that he knew who I was because it's a big company and uh, we hung a poster up in the office as well and it's a huge office so you know I get to walk by that every day and uh, I should have a lot of people from work coming out to support me which I think is really awesome. Yeah, you know, it's it's important to have memorabilia for the, from this kind of stuff. And, like, I, I'm not a hoarder either, but I'm not not a hoarder. Um, and, and so you mentioned earlier, like, the significance of, of belt rank, and that plays into your tattoo. And I don't think folks that don't do jiu-jitsu really understand what that can mean, even folks that do other martial arts, because other martial arts, either the belt promotions are, are swifter or there are more belt ranks. And in jiu-jitsu, you get promoted four times, and unless you're going to get a red belt, that's it. And mm -hmm. so, so what did it mean to you to get a purple belt? It takes years to get a belt. You know this. Um, you were, I think, a purple belt since I knew you. So when I saw you get your brown belt, I get so excited for my friends. Um, I remember, you know, when Mary got her brown or when Aman got her brown or Kim, I, like I send them messages like, I'm so happy for you. Because if you do jujitsu, like you said, you know how hard that is. And uh, 
I was totally surprised when I got my purple belt. Um, Brad had given it to me at the end of a class, and John actually had stopped by the gym by pure coincidence. Um, he's usually in Mebbin on Mondays, and by pure coincidence, so I'm like, did you know? And he had no idea. It was just an amazing coincidence, but I was good up until I looked at him, and his, you know, he'll, he'll deny this, but there was definitely a little glisten in his eye, and when I saw that, I... Like there were tears in my eyes, and I'm I'm not a crier at all. I am, but <laughs> we know. <Yeah>. Um, <laughs> as, as his wife laughs in the background, yeah. um, she knows. Yeah, <laughs> I'm sure she knows very well. Um, and I'm just not a crier at all. And when I see people who I really care about, kind of emotional, that that's what'll tug at the heartstrings for me. Um, and I'm sure John's daughter Aaliyah will be like that's a lie because she cries when she sees me do things but I'm, I'm so proud of the kids like I cried at their father-daughter dance or in Aaliyah's competitions because I'm so proud um, but that's about the only time and you know I got my purple belt and that was just I, I, I mean you know what it's like you have no words for it and just like when I got my blue belt those were like by far easily the best days of my life followed very closely by being in the cage <laughs> yeah and, and you know on that point we let's return to some of the photographs you mentioned like some of the cool photos that y'all have taken cool photo shoots being on posters one of my favorite sammy seth photos is after your last mma victory where you just are you're walking away from your downed opponent you know the one i'm talking about I do. and you're just just screaming it looks like just like emotion and you can tell it's you but it's also like it's like you're in a different you're a different person almost in that moment. What I, do you remember I about felt that like moment? it? Um, my dad always likes to joke around and be like, "Whoa, calm down!" Because when I'm like, "I want to make someone bleed and throw some elbows," he's like, "You need to calm down." I'm like, "Well, you raised me, so who are we really blaming for how I turned out?" Um, but that moment, I don't even remember doing it. But I love that picture, um, and I stared at that picture a lot the day of my knee surgery because, like you said, being in that moment, I was so proud of myself because that you know I was fighting a very good opponent she all of her fights had gone all three rounds and I finished this a minute into the first and it just made it feel like all my hard work was worth it like taking you know I sacrificed so much to train you know what that's like I'm in bed early I'm awake early I have almost no social life but I I don't care mm -hmm. this is what I love to do and um that picture to me meant I'm so glad you brought it up because that, that just meant so much to me. Mm -hmm. And it's wonderful to hear of you using that for motivation. Now, I wasn't going to bring up your parents, but since you did, one of my <laughs> other favorite Sammy Seth photos is your parents. Oh, my God. Each with shirts with you on them on either side of you. And, like, and, and you know, you're kind of in the photograph. You're kind of like mock embarrassed. But, like, I thought that was one of the coolest things that your, your folks, it's so clear that you and not just you, but your brother Jeremy, it's clear how supportive your parents are of you. And so can you talk about that a little bit, like what you remember about that? Yeah, it's funny because at first when I told my parents I wanted to fight, I think they were a little like, oh, but you're our only girl. Uh, I can't see you. My mom still covers her eyes. My dad was like, oh, but your face. Now my dad goes up to, he's like, I showed the dentist your fight videos. I'm like, that. they don't care. <laughs> like, what is wrong with you? But to me, it's awesome how supportive they are. And, you know, they they did get the most embarrassing shirts. Like, it's not my name. It's a picture of my face. And I was like, why would you do that? But why that's... wouldn't you do that? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's just them. I was worried they were going to show up to John's fight wearing like the exact same thing. And my dad said he almost did. And that's the thing. And then um, not only that, these pictures went viral on both Imager and Reddit. And my dad said he was at a car wash and somebody came up to him and was like, I saw you on Imager, uh, you were with some fighter lady, and those pictures were awesome, and my dad was like, that was my daughter, and so he thinks he's famous now, um, and it, you know, let him think it, you know, it gives him, it makes You're him happy. You're famous to us. You're famous to us. It, actually, if the Sefs are listening right now, I, I would like to sponsor, if John fights again, I will get you shirts oh with John's God. face on them. And, and like have the whole Seth family, all three Seth triplets too. You're all eligible. <laughs> so like we'll have five John Shell's face photographs made. I'm sure Boomer will help me out with that. But yeah, and, and you're, you, you're, you come from a very supportive family as well. Like I know your brother Jeremy is one of your biggest fans, even though you give each other a hard time we do. all the time. We do. Um, you know, I call him small all the time because he's like the second strongest person in the country at his weight class, which is ridiculous. And then, you know, my other brother, Jared, uh, he just had a solo art show and his art show was on 
MMA, it was so awesome. He he did Jeremy, he did myself, I think he did one of Travis Holloman, um, he did John Shell, and I mean, these paintings were amazing, and they were selling for thousands of dollars, and I was like, oh my God, that's me. Um, my, we joke that my brother got all the talent in the family, because nobody, <laughs> nobody in our family is artistic whatsoever. I mean, you've seen my ridiculous drawings that I post. <laughs> like, they're kind of awesome, though. They're, they're awesome in, in their own right, but, but like, I, I'm glad you brought up your brother's art show, because one of the other cool things about it, in addition to the beauty of the work that he produced, which was really excellent, I thought it was kind of cool how you almost crowdsourced a bunch of, of fight photographs. Like, you invited many of your fight community friends to say, like, hey, are there photos that you think would be great for my brother to take on as part of this this art show? And you got a bunch of amazing photos. Like, what what were some of your favorite photos that were submitted? Easily, by far, the ones Kim, Kim Rice posted. She has, to me, the best game face, and she's always like, thinks she looks so mean and terrifying. I think it's awesome. Kim, if you are listening, I think you're so awesome. I loved your pictures. My brother really liked them as well. Um, and he, he uses them all the time to practice. Like Everybody that sent photos, I know he's sketched a bunch of them because his big thing is figure drawing. And uh, you know, you're know you contorted at such crazy angles for jujitsu and MMA that he said he really enjoyed working the angles. And he said that it helps calm him down when he sees you know, when he would watch Jeremy fight or myself, because your family gets really nervous. And he said if he just focused on drawing and, you know, doing all that and doing like different types of judo throws, he just enjoys sketching those. Mm-hmm. You know, speaking as someone who uh, who has the only time I've ever gone viral on the Internet is a picture of Kim Rice choking me. <laughs> and so uh, so I do enjoy the Kim Rice game face as well. And I agree with you. It's badass. Like there was another one from, from the. Uh, Gosh, was it was it the New York Open? But like uh, Kim just choked somebody mm-hmm. in the gi that went went viral again, and it's like, you know, I, I think Kim gets a little embarrassed of it, but but I think that you you can understand like if you're in that moment, like those of us that compete, you know, you're almost you're so in that moment, you're not thinking about the face you're making. All you're thinking about is how do I finish this? Right? Oh, I mean, there's some people that. You take pictures of them, and they look amazing. Like during, the, I'm not one of those people. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, you were talking about one of my photos, but I enjoy it because it's me. Mm-hmm. It's it's realistic. You know, I don't look like I just walked off a magazine cover. I look like, yeah, I just had a bloodbath. I just had a war out there because it is. It's a battle. It's a war. Um, and to be honest, I don't care how I look like doing it as long as I get the job done and put 100% effort into it. The new Toro BJJ Gi is out now, folks, and I could not possibly be more excited. I've been designing this thing for a year now and put a lot of myself into it. It features iconography from one of my favorite places in the world, Okinawa, which is itself a hotbed of martial arts. If you want to check out the story behind the Gi, you can go to the blog at dirtywhitebelt.com blog. If you want to buy the Gi, you can either get it from your friendly neighborhood cage-side MMA warehouse at 124 Lotta Road in Durham, North Carolina, or online at torobjj.com. And so talking about getting the job done, as you look and you've sort of visualized this fight, like I, I'm curious, because I do this before jiu-jitsu tournaments, do you have a way that your perfect fight goes? Do you, do you visualize things in your mind and like, if there is a perfect fight, like what would you, what would you like the outcome of this fight to be? Like, how do you see it going in your ideal world? Yeah, I like that you mentioned it because I do think visualization is really important for competitors. Um, Frankie Alt, who runs Third Level Fitness, and he will actually uh, be partnering with John at the new gym and continuing his fitness classes at two locations now. Um, He talked to me years ago about visualizing your hand being raised. And, you know, you where your number one fan has to be you. You have to believe in yourself. You can have all the skill in the world, but if you're doubting yourself, you're not gonna perform to your best ability. Um, so you don't do it, we're not talking about it in a cocky way where you're like, oh, I'm gonna win all the time and never lose because you know, as Mary tells me, everybody loses and everybody you know has lost and they've lost bad. And uh, that helped me a lot when Mary said that as well, because it's true. You know, everybody, they, we can all remember heartbreaking losses. John talked to me about uh, two years ago at Masters, he lost in with seconds left, and he said that was the most heartbreaking loss of his life. Uh, and then he comes back and wins five matches and is a Masters world champion now. Um, but you have to, you know, you don't put all your eggs in one basket, but you still visualize yourself winning. And to me, for a perfect fight is me going out there and just leaving it 
all in the cage. I don't want to ever go back thinking I lost a fight because I didn't try my best or I didn't prepare my best because I will 100% prepare my best. I'm not going to lose because I didn't put in the work. It, you know, if I were to lose, it'd be because, man, that person really was better than me and they deserved it. Um, so perfect fight to me is just putting it all in line, putting 100% into it, um, not leaving it up to the judges. I want to finish strong. Um, I don't want to you know, extend the fight out longer than it needs to be. I want to go out there and, you know, finish either with my elbows, my fists, my leg, with submissions, and I want my hand raised at the end. Most definitely. And, uh, you know, anyone who's watched you fight knows that you are intent on finishing fights, which is part of what I think, well, part of what I think makes you an exciting fighter. And I'm also excited that, uh, that elbows are involved this time, which I think adds an element to your game. So one of the things that I, that I did want to ask you about in terms of, of this fight you mentioned preparation and like knowing in your heart, like I have done everything I could, I've trained hard. Anybody that follows you on social media understands how hard you train. And you've posted some photos recently of you got a torn up toe, you got a bunch of le bruises on your legs from leg kicks. And so uh, are you dealing, so, so I have a two part question. Are you dealing with any, like, is it just nicked up? Or are, you, are you just nicked up? Or are you dealing with anything significant injury wise going into the fight? Do you feel healthy? And what do you th do you think of this as just sort of the cost of doing business, uh, at, or or is there or is there something more here? Yeah, I like that you bring that up. Um, honestly, after I had a very bad back injury before and my knee injuries, to me everything else is just very superficial. Um, but it can it can definitely be grating on the body and the mind. And I spoke with um, the friend that broke down the videos, Brandon O'Connell has given me really good advice. He's kind of a veteran in the game. And then also, as well, um, Marcus Davis, the Irish hand grenade, who I train with a lot, and his fighter, Tim Bosch, who is still in the UFC. Um, I remember asking Tim during one of my fight camps last year, hey, what do you do when you're just, like, down on yourself and you're just feeling like you're not good enough? And he was like, you know, you need to take that off day. You need to make sure you're getting lots of vitamin C and lots of rest and you're eating when you're supposed to. And Marcus is the... Marcus is so awesome, and he'll be competing in Toro Cup, um, which everybody's very excited about. Like you said, this is probably my favorite card that's ever happened, which is funny because neither John or myself is on it, but you know, we, we can't. We're, there's a fight that day. Um, Toro Cup 9. Exactly. Um, but you know, Marcus Davis is great. He's so great with, he's such a veteran. He was you know, a boxing legend, and then he was in the UFC, and you know Marcus, every single one of his fights, they were not easy. Every single one was a battle. It was a war. And then um, even speaking to my friend Brandon, he was like, don't get down on yourself if you're training with people that are better than you that day. You just have to be the best you can for the 15 minutes that you're in the cage. You know, So you might not be the best in training, but you're the best in the cage, and you just have to be that person that day. And uh, he's absolutely right. You know, um, And again, like you said, it's the cost of doing business. To me, you know, it always looks worse than it is. Uh, and when the adrenaline was going, I had no idea that my toe skin was like completely ripped off. I literally have no skin on the bottom of my big toe right now. Um, and I, the only thing I thought about afterwards was, oh my God, I bled all over Cody Maltese's mat mm. at Elevate. I'm like scrubbing the mats to get it clean because I felt so bad because um, it wasn't just a little tear. It was, I mean, it was pretty, it was pretty brutal. And my my feet and skin. You know, I was telling you earlier that my body wants to be a lady so bad. It's like, please just be dainty um, and be soft. And I get calluses and then they fall off and then my skin is all supple again. And I'm like, no, callus and harden. Like, make me, give me Paul Bunyan hands. But, you know, it just, it, it does not happen. And then uh, the bruises, um, I usually don't even bruise very easily. So that's how you know. Like, man, she is putting some training in. Um, but... I, I feel great. Nothing hurts me. I can honestly say like this is the best I've ever felt going into a fight. I thought I was going to be so rusty coming back from this injury, but I improved so much, um, which is what John had told me and Trevor had told me that, hey, you're going to be focusing on smaller details and technique because your body isn't going to be able to catch up to it yet. And they were right. Um, I feel better than I ever have before. 
If you live anywhere from D.C. all the way down to the southernmost tip of South Carolina, don't worry, you have an opportunity to compete at U.S. Grappling in the next month. On October 21st, U.S. Grappling goes back to Northern Virginia, and on the 28th, Greensboro, North Carolina. I've been to this Greensboro tournament a bunch. It was actually my first jiu-jitsu tournament ever, and they always put on a tremendous event. So whether you're in it for the fun, for the competition, to get in better shape, to meet your friends, or just take part in a great community event, check out usgrappling.com to register. Well, that's great to hear. And I identify with you about like feeling guilty about Cody's mats because those are <laughs> nice white mats. You know, and when you bleed on them, you're like, man, I don't want to. And we were moving all over <laughs> and it was just like the imprint of a toe, looks like, like a stamp, <laughs> like a blood stamp. I felt like, you know, I became like I sold my soul to elevate now. Uh, so I have to come back with that championship belt. It's in the fine print, I think. You know, if you bleed, you have to come back with the championship felt. When you sign the Elevate waiver. Yeah, it's, it's I'm just going to set it in front of a shrine, have a have a little Cody shrine, and just here. Yeah, so here. Neil and Schroeder, if you're listening, <laughs> so you know, it's in the fine print. So you got you to win those fights. But yeah, um, so another thing about uh, that I want to ask you about is in terms of the fight community in North Carolina, like you mentioned several gyms even training at, you know, training with Trevor at Forged Carry, training obviously at TFTC, training um, with uh, with Mary at Chapel Hill Gracie Jiu-Jitsu. Is this the kind of thing where you think of specific elements of your game that you want to work on with specific people, or is it just seeking out the training opportunities as they come up? And what do you get out of training with each of these different folks? Oh, 100% the first thing you said. Everybody has you know their own style their own technique and as you're developing that technique which you know I'm not going to be that person that's like I have an exact style no I'm still I'm still developing I'm constantly molding and changing myself and everybody has stuff that they're good at um Mary is what 130 pounds at most and like she will feel like a Mack truck on top of you she is so good at movement and being fast and keeping the pressure and I really enjoy that from her Trevor's stand-up is amazing um my coach Neil is like a veteran of the game and he is so tough and has so much knowledge same with Marcus and then I'm lucky enough that I do get to work with John a lot um you know we do live together and I train with him a lot and uh he he has his own style uh I was telling you earlier he's been you know Japanese and Peruvian neck-tying people in all these tournaments lately so you know we now have a joke that everybody needs to suit up because he's just constantly necktying them. Um, and he has, you know, a vast multitude of knowledge from his years. And then I'm, I get to train even at his uh, professor school um, and work on stuff. Ruben's, you know, like the highest ranked black belt in the area. He's a fifth degree black belt. He's, and he's like the nicest person ever. Um, so I do want to give a shout out to him because he's right now he's working on rehabilitation for a stroke that he suffered and he's doing really good in the man, like, He's so well-respected in the community. You know, Vernon got a tattoo for him. And, you know, you don't get a tattoo for somebody that you don't respect. And John wants to get one for him. And he's just, he's so supportive. The first time he ever met me, he was so gracious to have me at his gym. And he's always posting about my fight stuff on Facebook, which I just, like, think is really awesome. Yeah, Hubao's an awesome guy. Uh, been been a black belt since the early 90s, like you say. Total, like, highest-ranked guy. And, uh, and so... Um, you mentioned Vernon Kirk, and I think we've mentioned on the show a few times. Uh, we're doing our Vernon has organized a GoFundMe to help uh, to help Hubao Karaoke with medical bills. We've posted that on the site. I'll post it in the comments of this show as well. So if you can help, please do. Vernon is also selling Hubao Strong patches uh, for ten bucks. Uh, he has those. I think they're also going to be available for the Cage Side uh, from the Cage Side MMA website as well. And so get well soon. We're all thinking about you, and I'm sure that we'll talk about talk more about him uh, and his uh, and his fight. As as the uh, as the days move forward and you know we've talked about John Shell a lot and so I want to make sure that we get to talk about him a little bit more especially before he gets here so that you, you can speak freely um, it's, just, <laughs> it's just you and me here Sammy no uh, but but uh, it's so a safe space it's a safe space <laughs> it's the studio but yeah in all seriousness so John is one of the most active and well-respected competitors in North Carolina in both jiu-jitsu and recently in MMA as you mentioned brown belt masters world champion uh, one of the top five ranked brown belts at his age bracket in the world, and just a dude that continues to improve and continues to inspire. And, you know, the two of you uh, are together and get to train together a bunch. And so I'm just wondering, let's talk a little bit about what it means to date an, a per, to date a person in the community who is also an, a high-level competitor. Do you find that you push each other 
to improve. And, and you know, I, I guess that's my first question. Do you find that you push each other to improve? And I, I'm kind of also wondering, are there side effects to that? Like, do you ever get mad at each other, like, in terms of, like, after a particularly hard training session or things like that? Yeah, Jeff's looking at me now because I'm trying really hard not to laugh out loud um, because he just hit the nail on the head pretty much. Uh, you know, sometimes when you just have to wake up early for training and I'm like, man, I'm my body's sore, I'm tired, and John's like, nope. You're going, um, which is definitely very helpful. And, you know, I couldn't ask for a more supportive person in my life. He works with me all the time. If I have questions, he's willing to almost drop everything he's doing to show me. Um, but, you know, there there are downsides. Uh, I can never watch Netflix in peace because next thing I know, I'm getting wrist locked. Um, he choked me in his sleep before and he was dead asleep and so I'm tapping and he was sleeping so he didn't know he tries to deny this but he was sleeping um you know and I'm always like date a brown belt they said it'll be fun they said but you're constantly on alert but I will say um being with him I've improved so much and I've told him this before but he will he will not take credit for it he's so humble he'll be like no that was you you didn't do that um and you know he does he makes my life a lot easier he helps out a lot and we always joke that um you know his two kids Jacob and Aaliyah who I love to death they're so awesome but I tell him like as hard as it is trading for a fight camp uh, parenting is so much harder and I, I have so much respect to all the jujitsu and MMA people out there who do that and parent and even people who just parent because uh, I was so new to this and it was really hard at first but I'm lucky to be part of a really good family that made it easier and like worked with me to kind of adapt to it. Yeah, and you know, it's such an intense lifestyle in terms of, you know, you mentioned at the top of the show, we talked about your schedule, you know, getting up in the morning to train at six and training multiple times a day, multiple different gyms. And when you when you win, it's so amazing. And injuries can be so devastating that it's, 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 it's always interesting to me to talk to people that have someone in the community that they date and that they love to share both those highs with and those lows with. Right. Because it kind of it can definitely amplify those. And it's such a highly emotional. It's an emotional sport. And you mentioned that you're not a crier, but obviously, you know, winning a belt is emotional. Coming back from an injury is emotional. And so um, hopefully and so, you know, hopefully you get to you get to share the experience of winning a belt with with John in attendance. I assume he's going to be in your corner. Yeah, him and the kids will be there. Um, he'll be watching. I, I won't have him in my corner because uh, to me, I just I can't. I can't. You know, my coaches will be there, um, but he'll be in the crowd and he'll definitely be the first person I seek out, win or lose after the cage. And, you know, obviously we're hoping we're hoping win. Mm -hmm. That's what I'm working towards. And, uh, you know, we joke around a lot. We give each other a hard time a lot, but he's definitely like the best thing that's happened in my life and you know I knew he loved me when he was uh, sponge bathing me during my knee injury when I couldn't even move we had just started dating and I was like oh this guy loves me this is definitely the first sponge bath reference since Trevor left the show okay. <laughs> like being I, and I'm not even surprised yeah right um but yeah, but seriously, having that support is so is so important. And of course, everybody else in the community is all is rooting for you as well to bring home that belt and uh so, like, you know, without getting ahead of ourselves and talking about, you know, what comes next or anything like that, do you set long-term fight goals? Do you think, like, you know, here's my ultimate goal for my fight career. When I'm looking back as an old lady who's 43 years old, just kidding, <laughs> but, um, 43 is not old at all. Um, just so you know, it's not old at all. Not old at all. Um, but, like, when you're, when you're done fighting, like, what do you want to have achieved? Um, so I definitely do set long-term goals for myself. But they're very broad because I don't want to have such a uh, narrow, fine tunneled view on things that if it doesn't work out that way, that my whole life is meaningless, you know. So I like to say, like, wow, I really want to make it to this, this and this, you know. But if I don't, I have the family support behind me. But yes, that is my ultimate goals. And I, I've gotten plenty of offers for even after this fight, but I'm waiting to discuss it until yeah. the fight happens because Smart. to me this is this is at the forefront this is first you know work on getting that um and hopefully you know in 20 years when i am 43 and getting my aarp card in the mail uh that i can look back and say like i did it and i tried and i worked hard and i achieved well speaking as a 43 year old those aarp cards have valuable discounts so <laughs> don't, so don't you know. anyway uh <laughs> The, the other thing I wanted to ask you about, you know, you've been training for how long now? Seven years? Six, seven years? And then um, actually closer to almost five. It just feels longer oh, because I'm there 
training six hours a day sometimes yeah, and almost the, every single day. <laughs> it's not the age, it's the mileage. But it, but so you've been training quite some time now. You've obviously competed at a high level, both at jiu-jitsu and in the cage. Um, what I'm wondering is, there are a lot of people that listen to the show that are white belts or that are taking their first six months of MMA classes and they don't know necessarily what they're gonna what they're gonna do. And so I'm curious, like, if there are young women out there that are listening to this podcast, they're like, hey, I think I might want to compete in jiu-jitsu. Hey, I think I might want to fight. After your five years of experience, which is, you know, you've had your ups and downs with injuries, do you have advice for those young women? Yeah, um, that's the most rewarding thing I think about being in the sport is I do have, I've had some people look up to me and say the nicest things to me. And that is so rewarding that I can be an inspiration to people. And it's hard, especially at the beginning. It's hard when everybody's better than you and you just feel like nothing you do is right. And then one day something just clicks. I still remember like my first submission. I remember the first time I submitted a guy even, which was like such a big deal. Um, I remember the first time I didn't get my tail absolutely whooped in sparring and I still do sometimes you know it it, it happens um, but it just shows how mentally tough and mentally strong that the people in this sport are because you have a bad day so what you go to sleep you come back the next day and I'm, I really hope to be an inspiration you know uh, I went to the movies with a bunch of training people to see Wonder Woman and being the super nerd I am I dressed up head to toe and a little girl did come up to me and asked to get a picture with me and then walked away crying because she thought I was the real Wonder Woman and it, it was like one of the best moments of my life. <laughs> Wait, you're not the real Wonder Woman? And I'm about 12 inches too short. <laughs> I mean, she is like an Amazonian and I'm like borderline midget, but you know. You're like the um, fun-sized Wonder Woman. Exactly, I can be like her little miniature doppelganger. I believe, you know, there's like a some sort of market out there in Vegas for it. Um, but that was easily like one of the best moments of my life. Yeah, you know, so to return quickly to talking about John and talking about the pans, because we're going to talk about pans results here and, and at, 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 you know, at some point, is that um, for me, it's always tougher to watch my friends or my loved ones compete. Like when Betsy did her tournament, I was way more nervous than I've ever been at any tournament. Oh, you were. I was right next to you. You were pacing. I it was It was that. the funniest thing. I, I'm over giving Betsy like, hey, I remember my first tournament, I did this, and she said something really nice to me after about how it helped her, and it helped her during like a bumpy plane ride, I think she was saying, because she used that same advice for it. Um, Jeff was a nervous wreck, which was hilarious <laughs> to me. He was just pacing, and Betsy, Betsy, Betsy! <laughs> and uh, she did amazing, too, and I was like, see, you had no reason to be nervous, but uh, I'm the exact same way. I get way more nervous watching John or Aaliyah, or even like Jacob's soccer games, than I get for myself it's just it's funny how that works mm -hmm. you know it's like for myself I'm like oh just another day in the office and then for my loved ones I'm just like uh, left left right right and I'm I mean everybody heard me like on flow grappling you know when anybody competes and I even asked John I was like did you hear me from Fuquay when you were competing in Nogi Pans because I was screaming yeah you know I, I this there occasionally I, th I wish that we had a video podcast and this is one of those times because I think that you know Betsy will agree that Sammy's impression of nervous Jeff was pretty incredible I mean that was pretty accurate I think right there because I really, was right next to you him. really <laughs> did look like me right there but yeah like I always wonder that about that too especially in the context of John because it's not like John competes rarely right like John competes all the time and so does that ever diminish for you like were you more like d do you ever get less nervous watching John compete no, <laughs> I wish I could say yes. Um, I'm always, you know, at Masters Worlds, he was so determined. And I just, it's I wanted it so bad for him. And I'm sure you felt like that when you were watching Betsy. You just want so badly for them to do well and to win because you know how much hard work they put in preparing for that. Mm -hmm. And I know that John did everything he could to prepare and that it meant so much to him and same with any tournament and he says he really enjoys me being there because uh, I'm very good at projecting my voice without losing it uh, John is not he screams and you can't I'll be next to him and not understand anything he's saying because it just sounds like raspy old man get off my lawn I can't hear what you're saying type of voice um, Aaliyah at John's fight he won and she's in hysterics because she was so nervous that she just had so much emotion she didn't know where to you know place it and that's how it is you know I'm I'm when I watch other people I'm like oh gotta pee again gotta pee again because like my I guess I have a nervous bladder I don't know um, but for me I'm I'm in the back reading like you know a tale of two cities or something I always read like classic literature uh, which is apparently weird um, the fight doctors say they never see that as a ritual but I'm just 
I'm just sitting there chilling, just reading my book. I'm a big reader, and I always like to do some form of classic literature, you know, Barnes & Noble, carrying card members since, like, 2008. Uh, and I always go there the week of a fight and just get a bunch of books, and I just start reading. It calms my mind. But for other people, um, I'm like you, um, maybe not quite as nervous and on edge and, you know, uh, got my, like, vegan jollies all in a bunch. <laughs> um, but... Yeah, I agree. Watching other people makes it so much more like intense. Well, those of us that care for you are going to be very nervous watching you compete, even though you're preparing to the best of your ability. You have a bunch of amazing training partners, a bunch of great coaches, and we know that you're ready to go a fourth and whoopeth that asseth on October 14th. So we'll be thinking about you. You can get, I know, I want to make sure that uh, we have a couple minutes left, and I want to make sure you get the chance to thank your sponsors. Before we do that, I'm going to mention that fight is October 14th. You can get tickets directly from Samantha Seff if you see her in training, if you come to her gym. You can also get them uh, on the internet uh, through the miracle of digital commerce. We will post links both on our website, which is dirtywhitebelt.com. We'll put that on the blog there, dirtywhitebelt.com slash blog. And we'll also put them in the comment thread on this uh, episode when this episode posts uh, on Sunday. So, um, Sammy, I know that you have a lot of folks. You mentioned a lot of all the people that support you through training, through the people that get you up in the morning, the people that uh, throw leg kicks at you. And <laughs> wrist lock like, me in my sleep. The wrist lock you in your sleep. All The best, the, you can't support somebody without wrist locking them in, in your sleep. I'm sure Hamid <laughs> Sanders would agree. Um, but I know you also have some fight sponsors that you want to be sure you thank. So let's get to those. I do. Um, I'm very lucky that when I was looking for sponsors to help support me for this fight that I had um, plenty of offers. And to me, that meant a lot. There were some people in the community that helped me. Um, you know, Eric Shelton, who has Ruckus Pizza, is starting up a new um, business about like meal prep and meal planning and which he, looks delicious by the way he's, oh I've yeah i've been seeing those photos that looks he's, amazing he's awesome and i was really happy about that mark kukro who runs his own gym has offered to support me there um brad morris who does the pro jitsu and the dark horse has been really supportive in that sense um i have warrior wellness solutions which is you know a big deal with like clarissa and elijah sacra and they've been um really excited about you know, getting their name out there, and I'm more than happy. I think they're both awesome people. I'm more than happy to do it. And then um, my mom's poker league, because uh, my mom's kind of a card shark, which is hilarious, because she is, like, the tiniest, sweetest little lady, and she will, like, throw down at the poker table. And uh, that's Contenders Poker, and they have been, honestly, they've run fundraisers and supported me with shirts and photos, and I just think that that's super awesome that people liked my mom so much that they were 100% ready to support me in my endeavor. And then as well as um, the company I work for, Nutanix, has also offered to, you know, provide clothing and post about me on like their websites and advertise. And um, I couldn't be surrounded by a greater group of people because everybody I just rattled off is somehow involved in the community in some way. And it wasn't just a random like, oh, do this. Yeah, we totally need to have Elijah and Clarissa on the show sometime to talk about Warrior Wellness Solutions because they do some great stuff, and they are one of the beneficiaries of Toro Cup. So they do terrific stuff for veterans, uh, especially veterans that, are, that struggle with PTSD. So check those folks out. I also now totally want to play poker against Samantha's mom now because <laughs> I used to be a fairly serious poker player, and I think that would be an awesome like bonus podcast with your mom gets to take all my money. But it's it's so intense too. Like she always tries to get me to play, and I I did it like once with them, and I was like, Mom, they take it like so seriously. Some dude was like yelling at me in Russian one time and I was like oh, I can't deal with this I'd rather just like be intense in the cage because you know they're some of they're good man they're good mm -hmm. contenders poker if I've learned nothing from rounders it's English only at the tables guys sorry <laughs> so we only have a couple minutes left do you have anybody uh, late so Sammy I want to take this time to thank you again for coming in the studio you're always one of our favorite recurring guests everybody's going to be rooting for you October 14th when you are the main, the main event um, do you have anybody else that you want to thank or anything that I haven't asked about that you really wish I would have asked about? Yeah, just um, a couple things real quick that I did want to touch upon. Um, shout out to Jeff, first of all, for having me on the show. And it's also our one-year Facebook friendship anniversary. We've known each other for quite some time, but I guess we've only been friends for a year. But I just thought it was hilarious that it was today. Um, definitely a shout out to his amazingly beautiful wife, Betsy, because she brought us some coffee this morning. And um, I'm sure any of uh, my other fighting comrades would agree that Without coffee, fight camp would be a thousand times harder. Mm -hmm. um, big shout out to my sponsors that I did touch upon and all the amazing gyms in the area and the people that run these gyms that allowed me to come in there and train and work with them and gave me great advice. Um, 
definitely my parents, even in all their crazy t-shirt wearing ways, they're super supportive. My brothers, Jeremy and Jared, super supportive and super talented with Jared's art and Jeremy's like powerlifting. They're amazing. And then um, I definitely like John Shell and his two kids, Aliyah and Jacob, um, have definitely made my life a lot better and are super supportive and uh, I think helped me be a better person and a better fighter. Well, if you get to be a better fighter, every uh, lady in your division should be scared, and they should probably be scared already. <laughs> My guest has been Samantha Seth. Folks, this is Dirty White Belt Radio. My name is Jeff Shaw. Sammy fights on October 14th. Get your tickets directly from her or get them online. You can check them out in the comments of this show. We are going to be back next week previewing Toro Cup on October 14th. We have a bunch of really exciting guests uh, coming up, including one surprise that I think that you all will be very excited about. Uh, this is Dirty White Belt Radio. My name is Jeff Shaw, and we will see you all next Sunday.